This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Caldera Lab. Gentlemen, first impressions matter. And if you're not taking care of your skin, people will notice, especially when you get older. Myself and Graham, we, we both know about that, don't we, Graham? We, we both know about I, that. I'm still fresh-faced. I don't know what you're talking uh, about. I, I, I'm I, still a fresh-faced baby <laughs> assassin over here. Well, I'm getting more fresh-faced thanks to our it friends. Must be all that, it must be all that Caldera Lab I've been using. It is, yeah. It is. Caldera Lab. That's where it's at. Caldera Labs. That's where they come in. Their products reduce the visibility of wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Show your skin who's boss and make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. You can uh, use our promo code severe mma and get 20 percent off these guys at caldera lab have figured out skincare for men so you don't have to they just have the best products for your wellness routine um have you seen their ads check out their website i you know everyone i think has seen them now on, on social media they're really really cool um and it's you know their, their products absolutely do show it here it is caldera labs clinical trials have found 94 percent of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after using their products for only a few weeks you'll be seeing their products paying off in absolutely no time and where to start with Caldera Lab is the regimen to twice a day routine to transform your skin and it includes three products the clean slate the base layer and the good that first one the clean slate starts off your day it's a face wash uh, to leave you refreshed and you have the base layer for your uh, moisturization to hydrate your skin throughout today and the good is your multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines every drop of this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin no other brand does that better yet Calera Lab is the only brand that cares this uh, about this enough to even know and the Calera Lab Icon Serum is another great thing as well that addresses the three most common concerns around the eyes, which are fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. And if you're an MMA fan, you know all about them after staying up really late. Uh, skincare is important, but doesn't have to be difficult. One minute in the morning and at night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. And just for our audience, we have this exclusive offer, and this is our best offer available anywhere. Use the promo code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com and get 20% off. That's C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B.com. And you can get 20% off with the code SEVEREMMA. Make an unforgettable first impression that leads to the charming words, you look younger. So 20% off at calderalab.com using the promo code Severe MMA. If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up from the rewatch to the QA. We will have loads of content every week. So sign up patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 436 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheen, aka the Pod God, joined today by the Joel Mattup of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about, um, uh, you know, it was, it was a big week in MMA, no UFC, but we have a good few Irish fighters fighting. Um, and we have a bit of other news as well. We're not going to go down all the cards like we normally do. Maybe this week we're going to have a bit of a chat and then and see what what comes up. Graham, heartings. We're both coming out here quickly from bad results from both of our teams, so we might be a little bit down. Although yours came yeah. second. I saw, I saw, I saw the fix was in early enough, so it was inevitable. You know, <laughs> ref added, added on time until they scored and then blew it up. You know how it is. When, yeah. Uh, Did you see the man? United match? See the man? No, I actually, match? I actually didn't. I only saw the, yeah. the um, goal afterwards. There's they've been putting on like. 10 minutes in every game so far this year and all that you know the, the goalie went down for like 5 minutes injured uh, in that match and they get 4 minutes at a time <laughs> and I, I was just like 
okay, I guess they just make up the rules. Anyway, we won't get into that because that's we. Do you know what we need? Man, Man United fans complaining about time out of time when I won so well, many Liverpool leagues fans complaining about Come on, anything. Ferguson special. You wouldn't have won well. anything without ridiculous out of on time when you needed. It. Yeah. But we wouldn't win today anyway because we're absolutely rubbish. But yeah, it's great to see Liverpool back rubbish again anyway. So that's uh, fantastic. Anyway, let's get into it. Valiant um, effort by the nine men against the 16. <laughs> 16. Fair play. Um, let's talk about Paul Hughes first, I think, Graham, because obviously I spoke to Paul the other day um, and it's been... It's been, I suppose, a long time coming, <laughs> you know, trying to speak to Paul. And I think he was probably wise to kind of wait out and... and um, you know, see what he was going to say. I, I was delighted we could get that out first and get the interview out there and the people could hear his uh, point of view. And I'm delighted as well that he kind of spelled it out very evidently for everyone. So there's no mistake. There's no, you know, there's no like, oh, what happened? Where did it go? You know, I, I thought that was very good. And I think, you know, we always say that in, in you know, when we're talking about fighters, we're talking about, the you know, the media covering any sports people. Just You might as well just say it. Let the knowledge out there, and we go from there. And that's what Paul uses on. I think, honestly, I think it's been a, a very wise decision to to do that. And if people maybe didn't listen to the interview, please go go and listen to it. But um, he talked about how he was offered a fight against Leron Murphy. He was injured, so he didn't really even think about that, you know, because he wouldn't have been able to fight. And then he accepted another fight in the UFC, but it was on short notice, and he wasn't able to get the visa in time. So I think a lot of people. You know, myself included, everyone <laughs> included, we're listening to Paul saying, you know, kind of, uh, there is a plan, we were talking and all, and maybe like, oh, we, we get more and more sceptical all the time, which I think is is Paul and probably everyone could probably understand that. But the fact that the UFC know about him, the UFC are talking about him, is all well and good. Now, having missed out on two opportunities and now going back for a cage warriors opportunity, uh, you, you know, we all know the UFC, we know the way they work. It's going to be tough to get another opportunity, but you win the Cage Warriors fight, and I think you get back there as well. What do you think of that overall, Graham? Like, it's—I know we've seen these situations down through the years where people, you know, try to get the opportunity, miss out, and then they do get another opportunity. Or maybe say someone like a Peter Queeley, he had almost the opportunity, missed out, and it didn't get it again. But had you know, obviously went to Bellator and did good things. What do you think of the whole uh, Hughes situation? I suppose it's been eleven months now. It's going to be between fights, and for a guy that young and that talented, it's an awful long time but there does seem to be a lot of genuine reasons which behind it which he explained very well yeah well like yeah exactly and it's good as you said that he comes out and explains it because even when he even when he did come out and explain it people just kind of half don't listen and say oh so we turned down the UFC even though he said like you know uh, the visa couldn't come through in time and explain the situation you know, people are going to make their own assumptions if you don't explain it and even if you do in some, in, in some um, circumstances you know, obviously being injured and kind of having these opportunities come your way and it, it makes sense that you think, oh, well, like, you know, the next time there's a fallout or one of this London card or this Paris card, surely there'll be a, there'll be an opportunity for me uh, if they're looking at me now. Like, that makes sense, you know. Um, people were kind of like, what's going on? Uh, and he, he explained what's going on and it's just kind of an unfortunate situation that, like, you know, he wasn't able to take that opportunity just due to short notice and getting a visa sorted and things like that and being injured after after his last fight. So, yeah, seven months, or not seven months, 11 months out isn't ideal, but, you know, uh, if it had dragged on any longer, then he'd be coming into the UFC making his debut with a, over a year out, which which wouldn't be ideal either. So it's probably, you know, he, he was kind of forced into a situation where he kind of had to take this fight, or didn't have to take it, but it makes a lot of sense, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of... You're looking at it when you're like, okay, well, if I if I go out and look great, uh, dominate and win at a weight class up, you know, if it was surely before, then it must be nailed on now. But you just never know. Like, you know, obviously you could go in there and win, and the UFC could could wait again. You know, you just, you just never know. So you can't you can't just hesitate. You can't just like stall your career and and wait for the UFC call. You've you know your career is pretty short. You've got to kind of. You know, make hay while the sun shines, as I say, and sitting around waiting, it can drag out like it has for for eleven months through various different reasons, and all of a sudden, then you're kind of rusty going in there, which is which is not what you want. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think, like having listened to what he said, I think he was probably right to re- wait for those opportunities. The the kind of I suppose the three times he did the first one with the uh, with the injury, which obviously he had to wait through, and then the second one where I suppose he got the opportunity with the UFC. 
uh, out in the States with the visa precluded him. And then the third one is to wait for, you know, the, the Paris card, which obviously, you know, Ireland is not too far from Paris. <laughs> you know, you'd be able to get over there. The opportunity didn't arise. So. And the London card was on a few months before yeah. that as well, which could have been a potential... Well, that was uh, the one, that was the Ron Murphy one, wasn't it, that he was injured for. But I, I, I like, he, he said to me in the interview, like, the Paris card was like the cutoff point. And then once that didn't happen, he was preparing for Dublin. So I think, I think that is part, like, without knowing that, I think it would have been fair to say and I don't know if I said it or not but I, I definitely thought it was like geez Paul needs to take a fight and your point there is actually a very smart one as well like you need to take a fight because the UFC like people who are active and like people who have taken fights but you need to take a fight as you said not to be rusty and to be in you know in shape in fight shape and especially if you're talking about going up to 155 maybe permanently um, and you want you know you you are taking a 155 uh, fight now it's probably a good decision as well now he kind of hinted in the interview that maybe he would go back down but I think we've spoken about it before when you get to the UFC and when you have maybe a two or three fight contract and you have a little bit of money it's maybe easier to keep the weight down when you know fights are coming when you have a little bit of money as well so you know I don't think 145 is necessarily out of the question for Paul Hughes but he does seem like 155 is the place for him at the moment I just, Sometimes they use the company and they say we want you at one forty-five, and you, yeah. you, like you know, you have to say yeah, really. Yeah, a hundred percent. Or one fifty-five. You know, we've seen that happen in the past before as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I just wonder. Let's say he goes in there, he wins the fight, and as he said himself, it's by no means an easy fight, and we'll talk about that over the, the obviously the coming weeks, the week before the actual event itself, and we'll break it down. But um, if he gets out of that with a win, he basically told me that he wants to fight the month after and in the month after. Now that's obviously going to be tough, and we know the best uh, the best laid plans of mice and men and all, and all of that. But um, it just it felt to me like when he signed that fight, it felt like he was signing a two fight cage warriors deal. Now he. He didn't say that, and he actually said the opposite that he'd love to fight straight away in the UFC. But you never know. I like. I think Paul should be ready to fight for whoever it is. Begin before the end of the year, whether it is you know George Hardwick or whether it is a featherweight fight in Cage Warriors or another lightweight fight, maybe an interim fight in Cage Warriors or a UFC fight. I think. But, but if he signs a Cage Warriors fight after this, will they let him go to the UFC if he's already got a fight signed? Well, I think that's the thing that they won't. But if it's before the end of the year so like he's fighting in October there's only two months between then and the end of the year you know like this one I think it was probably smart as well I think that's probably part of it you know okay we'll, we'll take the fight but we only took it like you know three Thursdays before it or something like that it's not exactly a long time before and, I'm, and you know he said he was preparing and everything like that so I think uh, he said that he told Cage Warriors a couple of months back didn't he he, he said yeah. that he, and he only kind of got word on it like weeks later so yeah. maybe they were having trouble matching them you know uh, kind of last minute against not last minute but like kind of short shortish notice against Paul Hughes isn't really a you know, not a wise career move for a lot of people. And maybe they were trying to see what Hardwick was going to do as well. Like, because I think if they, you know, if they could have done the Hardwick Hughes fight, I think they probably would have done it. But, you know, the last time when I spoke to Graham Boylan, he said the exact same thing about the previous Dublin cards. Like, look, we tried to do an awful lot. It's not always possible. And it's definitely not always possible when, you know, when you're in cage wars and everyone there is like, well, is this the right fight for me to get, to the next fight to get to the UFC whereas when, when it's in the UFC you're almost like well I have to take this fight to stay in the UFC type of thing so Jesus I, I, I don't envy Indian and Graham Bylan making those fights there's no mistake about that now the Irish card I, I said it last week I don't think it's the best card in the world but this Paul Hughes fight has definitely helped it and um, you know it's, it's a must watch for that alone but yeah I think um I think if you haven't listened to the Paul Hughes interview, please go and, and do it over in the Severe May um, YouTube. It's very, very honest and very forthright and just said it straight as it is, which you don't usually get from people kind of in contract situations, I suppose. Um, and I appreciate Paul for doing that. But yeah, we definitely wanted to bring it up, obviously, after talking about um, his fight last week and kind of, uh, you know wondering what was happening now we know what's happening because uh he uh, he told us so that was uh, that was very good um right let's talk about some of the irish fights over the week graham um we'll, we'll see the cage warriors for a second they had um a fight card on friday night uh and it was a pretty good card to be honest it was a, a vicious injury in the main event which seems to be happening all the time recently we had one over in one championship not in the main event but in the um uh, he won the lower down fights. Paul Elliott, 
you know, tore his tricep, I think. And this was uh, a more gruesome injury, even where Tobias Salila uh, broke his arm after falling on it, and he's fighting against James Hinden. Just absolutely awful. Uh, and we wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, Matt Bonner won his fight over there. Luke Riley and Alexander Luff put on an absolute barn burner uh, of a fight altogether. Uh, I, I, was, I wasn't watching it at the time. And I just saw Ian and Kaposa and everyone tweeting about. I was like, "Oh my god, I have to go back and watch this." It's absolute, uh, an absolute barn burner. And I think everyone was kind of saying as well. Luke Riley's getting himself into these fights probably a little bit too much, you know. But very exciting, a very very fun fighter, and a great win for him to go to eight. And no, he can't be too far away from a shot at one forty-five. What about Luke Riley versus Paul Hughes? If that was to happen, what a fight that would be. Adam Cullen got a big win there as well. Rory Evans and others, and Adam Shelley Graham. I knew you caught that fight. What? Like a fair play to Adam Shelley because he's now five and two in his career. He, you know, he started out with a very tough fight and lost to Kenny Mukahana. Went two in a row, lost to James Power, who's another top prospect coming through. And at that point, you're kind of thinking, "Oh, this is, you know, you're two and two in your career. Your brother is kind of in yeah. there and he's doing really Pressure well." Pressure kind of ramps up early in your career once you once you drop a couple. You know, people they say records don't matter and all, but like for confidence, momentum, and. Uh, just for everything, you know, for getting yourself in the right, right mental state and to, to you know, get promotions interested in. It's just so important all around. Like, you know, you can you, you can praise them for taking tough fights and absolutely, you know, going in there and losing to, to Kenny and losing to James Power and nothing to be sniffed at. Like, it's it, they're, they're really good guys. And this is a really good win against uh, Calamari. You know, uh, he's been, you know, he's been in there with some good guys as well. This was a bit of a step up for Adam. Airman's a strong wrestler, as we even saw in this fight. He picked up Adam at one stage and like ran him across the, the cage. But Adam just has too much uh, on the feet, especially you know uh, the first two rounds were were pretty were pretty dominant on the feet, including you know uh, I, I probably wouldn't have given ten eight myself, but uh, ref or judge, one of the judges gave uh, ten eight to Shelley in both of the first and the second rounds, and uh, the other judges all gave ten nines all all the way through to uh, to Shelley. So comprehensive victory here showed off you know that he's rounding out his game that he's developing and that's what you want to see at this stage of careers you're not you're not expecting the guys to go in there and like have it all figured out at the very start of their career you know it takes time it, it, it takes experience it takes step steps up in competition and to overcome a little bit of adversity and you know uh, to, to get yourself mentally strong just so many things going on that we like you know we don't think about all the time that like you have to kind of develop in your MMA career just in, in terms of the, the techniques and the strikes and the, the ground game and everything, but in terms of the mental game and being comfortable in there and letting your shots go. And, you know, it's just there's so much going on. And at, at, at the start of a young career, these are the perfect steps. And he's, he's you know, he's gone in there and dominated and picked up a really, really nice victory. Yeah, and, and fair play to, you know, Chris Fields and Tom King as well and Kyle Pinder and everyone else in, in Team KF because... You know, it'd be easy to panic and it'd be easy to say, you know, let's change things up. Let's do different things. And, you know, maybe I'm sure they did small little things, but like sometimes you just need to get on a, on a trajectory and keep going, whether you're winning or losing, whatever you're doing and just improve and improve and improve. And it definitely feels like he's been doing that. Um, and, you know, I, I bet you we probably overreacted and everyone probably overreacted when it was two and two. But for the, you know himself and his camp not to do that and then to win the next trainer, obviously, you know, there's supposed to be that big Dean Harry fight in there as well that didn't happen. But, you know, he beat a guy who's four and one, beat a guy who's six and one now uh, as well. That's that's pretty good uh, for a guy who was, was two and two only what in in 2022 so fair play to him and, and a great run and you know you look at Chris Fields' gym and you you look at Leon Hill who you know a lot of what he lost his opening fight didn't he and he's gone on a great run since looking really really good you look at Taka who seems to be improving all the time as well um, it's just you, you, you have it's still to a look. very young gym as well it's easy Absolutely. to forget like you know they've had so much success so early and kind of been on big stages so early but they, they've only been around a few years yeah absolutely and like you know it feels like they have a small tight-knit group as well and i wonder is that the way to do it i suppose for like high level um you know results because i think we'll see because a lot of 
uh, look, the the, the, the the McGregor madness has birthed a lot of these gyms. You know, obviously Chris Fields being an SBG and, you know, we obviously Paddy, Ho- Paddy Houlihan and Owen Roddy and all of that. And, you know, obviously the, you know, FA, FAI, the, the, there were gyms up to Northern other places. They were already there, but it's helped and the talent coming through has gotten better and all since, it, since this. And now we're seeing different sorts of gyms, whereas SBG is kind of, you know, a super gym in terms of numbers with loads of people and loads of pros and all. And now we're seeing... You know, say the likes of FAI with loads of pros as well and, uh, you know, get more and more amateurs all the time. And maybe Chris Fields' gym has maybe turned into a little bit of that as well. But I wonder, will we see gyms like that maybe with, I don't know, 10 pros or something like that? And how well that will work. But it's it's interesting and we, I suppose it's something to look at as we uh, as we go through the years and it's a good problem to have for, for Irish MMA to see and maybe uh, encapsulate what's best practice in in a small country like this so very interesting and also talking to Paul I think he he said it very well like that a lot of the gyms now seem to be cross training they seem to be in unison more so than ever before like it always seemed to be like you know one gym didn't like the other gym and there was you know bitching and moaning that doesn't seem to be as much of that now I'm sure that some of them still don't like each other absolutely but I think it's good as well and like if you have a big fight coming up and you're in Bellator and you're a lightweight and there's a lightweight in KF or there's a lightweight in FAI and they have a fight coming up in cage wires. Wouldn't it be good to get sparring? Like you're probably not going to fight each other for a good while, you know. Work with each other and, and get better. And I think that's the yeah, way. Yeah, especially to when they're not in the same promotion. Like you know, Bellator basically just have SPG fighters, so it's not as if you know most of these guys are going to maybe matchmaker might put you together in a fight or two. Like you're saying, you kind of there's that separation at the moment. But obviously, we're, we don't know what's going to happen with Bellator and PFL and all that stuff. So it's 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 in limbo. But yeah, I'd say, you know, for for uh, SBG, obviously, uh, it's kind of Bellator going away would, would, would hurt a lot of their fighters. Maybe the the other gyms might not be so, uh, you know, they might not be so sad to see the back of Bellator in Ireland if it, if it was to happen. Yeah, although, you know, where the places they were fighting, if, uh, uh, you know, aside from cage wires, I'm sure the SBG lads will maybe taking up them places then, so you know it might be a bit of a catch twenty two there, but you never know what's going to emerge. You know, hopefully PFL emerge if it does go away and take up a lot of them and take uh, you know and sign a lot of the um, the other gyms maybe as well, and and we'll see how that goes. But anyway, we will uh, cross that bridge when we come to it. Speaking, yeah, I think of, it's important that yeah. PFL do get a, like a good kind of attended and successful first show in our Ar- in Ireland. Like you know, if you want to, if they are to take over Bellator, or Bellator is to go away in some capacity or slow down and whatever is going to happen if, if Bellator isn't doing what they were doing previously and they haven't announced the show yet so you know it's all up in the air as I keep saying but yeah I think it's important you know and I think the the wins even though it wasn't a fully successful night for the Irish MMA in PFL tonight it's important that you know there was at least one or two uh, finales on that show to you know to get the people excited about coming to this this Dublin show for PFL yeah and I I actually saw someone tweeting about it earlier I think it was Andy Hickey and I'm after looking it up now the PFL uh, Ticketmaster they have the whole upper deck closed off so they're only uh, selling the, the lower deck now with that said, there's probably not as many tickets. Obviously, uh, there isn't as many tickets as usual. So if you're looking to well, get that tickets, could change. That could change if it like you know, there's a few months to go now, or a couple months to go. There could be there could be an uh, like you know. Obviously, we're going to talk about the results. There could be other fights, including the the finales added that people are interested in and people are waiting to see the card and things like that. So that could change. But yeah, it's it it probably is a sign that it isn't selling maybe as well as they hoped. Yeah, I I think for Irish Mido, you you were correct there. Like not to. Not to say I'll go out and buy tickets or in here, but like the the, the last attendance in Cage Wires wasn't amazing. Although it was pretty good, the last attendance in Bellator was a big disappointment for them, I would say. And now the Ireland match was on and stuff. And now if the upper deck for PFL, which obviously as you said could change, I think we if you're an Irish MMA fan, you probably should want to change that because if we start to get known for a place that can sell out the three arena, then let's be honest, PFL, Bellator, they're not going to come back. You know, they're ju- they're just not going to come back. So um, I think it's it's time for Irish MMA fans to, to support Irish MMA. Many of us have, but look, if they put on a good product, they will. But it's tough times as well. Like it is, there's a Katie Taylor fight coming up. I saw the lads talking Bellator, about it. Bellator, Cage Warriors, boxing going on. Yeah. You know, coming up to Christmas, it's Very like expensive. some people. Just can't, yeah. Uh, I'm booked in. Guess how much, Graham? I'm booked in for a hotel for two nights for PFL in December. Guess how much it is? 400 quid. 521. Really, absolutely ridiculous. Did you go for a nice place or a standard? The Gibson. 
Ah well yeah. You're paying a bit extra for the Yeah I, I am paying a bit extra But still at the same time It's ridiculous And I booked it like Fucking six months in advance Or whatever so yeah, it's not. It's definitely not easy. It's definitely, definitely not easy. But um, speaking of PFL, let's talk about those fights you alluded to there. The the semi final fights. Um, first of all, John Mitchell in his fight uh, with uh, Gisim, uh a cakewalk to me for for John Mitchell Graham. Winding. Well, there. your man, your man was mo- more active and tr- trying to make it happen more in the first round. Like uh, even when he was on his back, he was trying to throw. He was trying to make it more uncomfortable. He didn't want to kind of get beaten the same way again, but. You know, it's just very hard to stop John Mitchell and he, he did enough from above and landed the better shots. And, you know, it's hard to, when you're lying on your back and punched, it's hard to land that big shot that, you know, you can land these little kind of slaps and little kind of ear ear slaps and small punches, but it, it's hard to get anything impactful and damaging off. And, you know, he spent most of the fight on his back and John Mitchell, you know, did what he needed to do and, you know, kept tight when he needed to keep tight and postured up and landed when he needed to. And, you know, just, just, yeah, as you said, he, he kind of had the fight in his hands and, um, yeah, it was quite dominant in the end. But I think your man put up a little bit of a better fight in the first round than maybe I expected. Yeah, I think it did. If, if people didn't see it, I'll just kind of run through what happened uh, in the fight. Um, Jasim was, was very aggressive early, as you mentioned. Um, uh, John got the takedown, but Jasim kind of got uh, his back and landed some hammer fists. Um, Mitchell was landing more shots after that when he kind of got his arm free and then he was controlling on top and definitely won the round. In the second, he landed some nice shots early, but it was a quick takedown again for Mitchell. Got up, there was another takedown. Uh, your man caught him in a normal plat at one stage and Mitchell literally just laughed in his face when he landed on top and won that round again from on top. And in the third, another early takedown. Um, Jasim got a very tight guillotine, I thought. Now Mitchell defended it very, very well, but it was a very good attack got on top and won that round on top again like it was one of those fights that if you're in the semi-final of a tournament with a fight happening in two months this is the perfect fight for you because you got to push your cardio you got a guy who was as you said aggressive and it was game and everything you didn't really get cussed you didn't really get hurt you know you <laughs> you got on top for most of it you didn't expend too much energy it was it was the perfect fight it was a perfect semi-final fight you know if it was a game of hurling you would have won by seven points you know type of thing it was it was perfect so um a great win there for uh for john mitchell um the dylan chu kazuba uh, fight was probably the exact opposite from both of for both of them there was blood and guts in this one at times and, and a lot of big shots landed and uh, a lot of uh, i suppose energy expended some good leg kicks from kazuba early got into the clinch um took was landing a few straight lefts uh got a bit of a late takedown took the back rear naked choke i thought that rear naked choke was very very uh good and probably won him the round but things kind of changed from their ground didn't they it was it was a tough fight for dylan juke he started well but it just felt like he once he wasn't able to get the takedown i don't think he was landing enough shots to kind of trouble kazuba i'll yeah. go through the rest of it in a minute but it kind of turned into one of you those know- fights that got away from him didn't it yeah, he seemed to be able to get to you know get the advantage against the cage in the clinch situation a lot of the time, like not all the time, but he he couldn't quite get the takedown after the after the first round. And I think if he had a kind of believed in his hands a little bit more, like you know we've seen Dylan over the years, even you know through the amateur ranks and early pros, he, he's very crafty on the feet as well. Like he might not have like the biggest power, but he can he can land. And I think maybe yeah, maybe he tried. To, to grapple a little bit too much and gave maybe too much respect to uh, Kazuba striking. Uh, obviously, uh, he got hit with a few big shots and things like that, and he got bloodied up a little bit. Uh, like, but in the third round, maybe uh, let your hands go a little bit more. Might be, you know, it's easy to say afterwards. You know, if he had got a takedown, he might have got the back in that body triangle that we've seen Dylan Duke do so many times, and he's so good at it. And it, you know, once he's there, he's he's good at landing shots and fishing fishing for chokes and things like that. So. I can see why he wanted to, you know, uh, get that takedown. But maybe if he had have been a bit more, um, had a bit more output with it with his strikes on the feet, uh, you know, he might have opened up that that, that takedown a bit more. Yeah, it feels a little bit like, the, oh, I think the new gym made Dylan Chuk a more. Um, a less aggressive fighter, which he needed to become. He really needed to become it. But I feel like in this fight, he was still kind of eating those shots anyway. So, like, it almost... It was one of those ones where he might as well have thrown his own ones. 
Um, because I think Dylan's problem maybe in, in the past maybe a bit of a chin issue, but he's gone up in weight classes and that hasn't been an issue in the last two fights. So I think we can almost put that to bed because he took some big shots uh, in this as well. Like, do you know what? It's weird with Dylan because he's a couple of fights back now, it feels like, and it feels like he needs a couple of more to really get, get into his own. Maybe if he gets into this tournament again next year, maybe that's the place to do it, but... It, it it wasn't that it, I don't think it was a bad performance from Dylan. I think it was. Rusty. It was just one he just left behind. I, I yeah. feel like he could, he could have stolen it if if yeah. if maybe you know things had gone a little bit. It's obviously really easy to say, say as I said and be the general after the battle and all that. But you know it was one that I think maybe Dylan will look back at and think My, I could have won that one and maybe maybe will you know sometimes you're just beaten by the better guy and you know all of that and you just think you know you just think oh that's just a bad matchup or that was a that was a that was a difficult fight for him all along but in this one you felt like maybe he yeah if he had got that takedown or and if he or if he had kind of got a strikes going been a little bit less tentative in the later rounds you know but yeah you know it was a good performance from Kazuba as well an undefeated guy a strong guy and you know, he's a good grappler himself and he's obviously good on the feet as well. So he, he was a difficult matchup, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a hard one, you know. Dylan obviously uh, made his comeback kind of after a little bit out and it, it went so well in the first one. He looked really good. It looked like he kind of mixed up his style, but, you know, maybe maybe what you were kind of alluding to there, maybe he went a little bit too much the other way and needs to find a bit more of a balance between the two. Yeah, I, I, think, I really think that's it. Because like I said, there wasn't a bad form. It was like... It, it was a fight that was a good performance that kind of turned into a bad performance maybe and like that's that's almost like something that is good for you that you can look at and go back and improve on right he, he needs to do what Adam Shelley did basically you know don't panic about it too much see the errors fix the errors and go back and maybe not make them the last time and it's funny because the last fight he didn't really make those errors and that was an easier matchup I think than this but you know, it's, it's definitely one of the, them you can take a lot from. Like, if you look at, the, say, the first round, I think he won the first round with the rear naked choke early, and he didn't take too much, and he was landing that kind of straight left. I think in the second, Kazuba upped it a little bit, and he landed two nice shots when he stopped that takedown. It turned into a lot of clinching, and there was some knees in the clinch, and knee in the clinch cut Dylan Chuk as well. That was a bit of a game changer. Um, he was just, you know, Kazuba was just landing bits and pieces and staying ahead. And yeah, on the breaks and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, just enough, yeah, making it so Dylan kind of had to make something happen and he just kind of wasn't able to uh, do enough to swing the rounds. Yeah, and I think he tried to push it towards the end of the second, but then he got hit with that left hand and in an uppercut and he looked hurt. And, you know, Kazuba got the takedown in the last 65 seconds and he got an, a lovely bit of ground and pound. So, like, at that point, Chu tried hard didn't work, got taken down, and he was kind of looking more and more tired, looked very tired in the third, and he was, just wasn't moving the way he moved in the last fight or in the first round here, and then you see Kazuba landing that straight right, he was just busier, 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 um, you know, he got the takedown, then got the back, got the side control, and that was basically it, but um, look, a, to a very tough matchup for Dylan Chuk, uh, as you said, Kazuba, a very, very good fighter, and he'll be fighting John Mitchell in the finale, that's an interesting fight, Graham. What are your first initial thoughts on that? It's to me, it's like that. That could be a, an absolute uh, a cardio war in that one between, between the two of them. Yeah, I think it, I think it's important for John Mitchell that he's able to get an early takedown. You know, if he if he is, I think you know we've seen what John Mitchell can do from there. He's he's very difficult for to reverse. He's very difficult to to get off you. He he's relentless there. So, but. This guy looks good, you know. Uh, he's undefeated as well, you know. He's coming in there. That's a big win over Dylan Chuke, you know. Maybe the record doesn't speak for how dangerous Dylan is everywhere, like, you know, on the ground, on, on the feet, all that. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'd like, you know, uh, if I was Mitchell, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing anything differently than than what I usually do. And you know, uh, if he if if he can get an early takedown, I think, you know, that would be the story of the fight. But if he can't, you know, it could be. A, could be a difficult night for him. Yeah, as we saw on this, it's tough to take Kazuba down, but, you know, 
you almost have to stick to it, I think, because like he got a little bit tired of Todd as well towards the end of that fight, but Chuke just kind of didn't have, have it in him, you know, and I think Mitchell's going to need to, you know, get on that running machine or get out in the roads in Dubai or in Cork or wherever he is for the next two months, because that's going to be a real, real... Yeah. Like it's a dirty, grindy, John yeah. Fitchy type affair. 100%, 100%. I'm, I'm really looking forward to... I think they're two similar enough fighters, like they can, they can both strike, they can both hit, but they're both good wrestlers and both good on top as well so uh, a very interesting fight there in that one um, then we'd Franz Malambo in uh, a split decision um, <laughs> yeah. he got the win it was, look it was a close fight although I, I didn't, uh, like, I didn't I know what was too. before we go into I didn't know what was going on with the delay of the scorecards it seemed like it went on for ages I don't know if uh if there was something I, I don't know maybe, there, maybe don't they know were waiting on. for a break or something you know PFL I just actually looked at my phone there a minute ago and Caposa uh, was like they've had uh, five fights in three hours or something like that so it's, it's not unusual for PFL to win and win and win I think yeah maybe there was an ad on another we were yeah, watching on the on or I was watching on the YouTube and maybe there was ads on TV that they had to wait for it actually makes sense because yeah. I was like this isn't this isn't difficult to score is it uh, look, it was a relatively close fight, but I thought Franz won the first two rounds. Uh, and lost yeah, sorry, I meant kind of there's no like 10 8 here, there's yeah, no like yeah, you know, yeah, this yeah. isn't this, like because in a tournament there has to be a winner, you know, and it goes to like who's if it's a draw uh, over three rounds, it goes to well, who won the fight overall. So I thought maybe mm-hmm. what's going on here, somebody scored it, you know, I it just seemed, but maybe yeah, no, it's probably more likely that there was just a long ad break, yeah. I it was an interesting fight because like. They both kind of hurt each other bad in the first round. Uh, Franz first, uh, and then uh, Binsaki second. Uh, and then Franz, I think, won the rest of the round. You know, he kind of won yeah. everything around that. Um, I, I think the big issue for Franz just there, like, and it's sometimes he used, to, he used to do the guillotine before. He get pushed up against the cage, and he just pull a guillotine when someone went in. But this time, your man was There was a moment where I think he thought about it in the yeah. first round, and he probably heard my voice in his head. Don't do it, screaming at him. Don't pull the guillotine. <laughs> but like, it, it, he was winning from so um, uh, he was being pushed back against the cage, and it felt like he, you know, Mokhtar was was his whole game plan was to cut off the cage. And when Franz wanted to stop him cutting off the cage, he could almost do it at will. But it felt like he was fighting on the cage on purpose because he was landing some good counters. But then Mokhtar landed one big counter, I think right hand of himself, that, that big shot I was talking about. And at that point, I think Franz needed to move from there and he couldn't do it in the first round. I think he changed and he did do it in the second round, but there was, there was no doubt about it that... He needed to adjust from that. He, I think he won the first round just because, you know, he landed the way more stuff throughout the round. In the second, there really wasn't enough he, landing. He also, from before we go on from the first yeah. round, he also landed, after he had stunned uh, um, his opponent early in the round, he landed a nice couple of, I think it was a punch and a uh, kind of half-blocked head kick as well. And uh, I thought, yeah, I was surprised that, you know, the judges didn't give that, or that one judge didn't give that round to him. I think it, was, well, I think it might have been round two, actually. Uh, we'll really? To, yeah, I think so. We'll have to look at I thought the scorecard. first round was closer than the, the second. Yeah. So did I, yeah. So did I. I think the, the, the second round was one where there wasn't nearly as much highly effective offense, but I think Franz was just the much better fighter. Like, he, he didn't put himself in danger half as much, and he didn't give Mokhtar the ability to land those big shots. So instead of, like, both of them landing a couple of big shots... I think it was Franz just kind of landing all the effective yeah. shots like that, that weren't I thought he landed effective. the bigger punches and he landed significantly more volume yeah. uh, in that round so yeah that, that for me that was a 10-9 for Franz yeah I thought it was I, although there wasn't loads landed so when there isn't loads landed even if you are ahead it's you know there's not a big difference there but yeah I, I thought he did win it um Mokhtar came out though in the third round and he was going for it. Uh, he landed some nice shots, but I think Franz was doing pretty well and kind of countering him at the start. But then there was that thumb to the eye. and Yeah, that was pretty bad. What did you think of that? I, I don't know. Was... Uh, originally, I was like, oh, I didn't even, I, I was like, oh, it must have been a finger. But then when they showed the replay of the thumb, he wasn't even trying to grab the back. It was just, he literally just put his hand, thumb in Franz's face. It was pretty at best, uh, reckless, <laughs> yeah. um, at worst, uh, on purpose. It reminds it's, it's me. It's hard to judge intent, but like yeah. that looked like, what are, you, what are you actually trying to do there if you're not trying to, you know, just put your fingers and thumbs in, in his face? 
The only other time I ever saw something like that was uh, Rivera against Uriah Faber. Remember that? I remember coming on the podcast saying, like, oh, that's a fucking intentional eye poke. And, like, honestly, my thought was that's an intentional eye poke. And, like, that's so that's two for me in the space of about 12 years there. <laughs> I'd say so. This is not something I'm saying every week. But, like, he literally brought the hand up from his hip. Tum it wasn't out. like a strike. He wasn't no. like, you know, swinging back around after yeah. a kick. He wasn't. It was just what he actually trying to do. Like, I'd love yeah. to hear him explain what exactly he would say he was trying to do there. Yeah, like he wasn't turning his arm over. He wasn't like, you know, he wasn't like posting on Franz's head. He, he wasn't trying to punch him in the eye. It was just literally a tum to die. But that did seem to affect the fight because... The best shots he landed after that were left hooks, you know, to that side of Franz's face, which hurt Franz a bit, but he did well to come through him. Uh, and Mokhtar definitely won the third round after that. But I do think that was a bit of a turning point to that. Like, if Franz had lost that split decision, I think you'd be feeling very aggrieved after that because, like, he definitely could have won that round if it wasn't for that. I do think it kind of changes a bit. But anyway, Franz won it, and he's into the finale now. Um it's great to see it for friends as well because he is one of these lads you know we spoke about Brian Moore last week and like maybe not having the best to look and you know Sinead Cav is another one not the best to look I think Franz is one who's had a lot of fights had a lot of wins and still not had the best to look and for him to be in the big finale yeah, he's been treated around, over the last few years like he's on a losing streak when he's actually on a long winning streak like you know he's lost like 1 in 11 or 1 in 12 and he's on like a 5 or 6 win streak and the, <laughs> the, the way he kind of he was just kind of left uh, behind by Bellator was a bit strange and then obviously Kambache he went in there won a one night tournament and then couldn't get a fight uh, well obviously he, they offered him a fight the guy got injured they remade the fight or sorry he got injured they remade the fight then uh, they let the Martinez go and have a kickboxing fight which he obviously got injured in um, and uh, he was just waiting and you know the offers weren't coming in and you know, he he showed a bit of rustiness in, in the first fight and, you know, maybe even in this fight a little bit as well, to be honest, you know, uh, less active than we usually see, France. I don't know if that was a choice, a uh, game plan thing to kind of nearly exclusively counter, but like, yeah, uh, you know, I think that time out and, uh, you know, all that kind of uh, ring rust or cage rust or whatever you, whatever you want to call it, definitely wasn't as bad as the first fight but I think maybe you know maybe we saw it a little bit here yeah I, I, and it's interesting as well because like what's happening next for him is he's meeting Kursha Kakarov in Dublin which is like he left the Dublin crowd behind him and all, but Kakarov just beat Ali Taleb who I was saying a couple of weeks ago was the best fighter in the whole tournament anyway class and he beat him so that's he beat him bad as well he beat yeah. him everywhere you know he took him down and pounded on him on top he like that was that was extreme i was i was expecting uh Taleb to win that and Me so too, yeah, yeah that was a that was a huge win he was a pretty big favorite as well yeah so a massive win for kakarov there which is you know i suppose good for friends in one way he doesn't have to fight for, for Taleb, but bad in the other way because he used to fight fucking kakarov who's better than Taleb. so that's maybe, maybe maybe he's been right to be practicing that guillotine for so many years <laughs> yeah <laughs> if he caught him in the guillotine to win the underground uh, he should just come and run over the cage and go straight to you like right, what the fuck but um, yeah like for, you said it there's 7 wins in a row now for friends 10 of his last 11 that is an insane record and he's fought some really good guys in there like if you look at the guy he fought tonight 20, 20 and 8 his last opponent 12 and 2 14 and 2 8 and 4 he fought a guy with 30 fights, 12 and 4. You know, he fought Dominic Wood and beat him, Nathan Grayson and beat him. And even like the lads he lost to, Stephen Loman, who's still fighting, and fought uh, last night. Very good. You know, Ricky Bandeas. There's, there's no that bad Ricky Bandeas one as well. He, he was, was dominating that yeah. fight and he got caught as well. That was a disappointing one. Yeah, so a massive win for Franz. And like, if he wins that, he could be in the million pound tournament next year, the million dollar tournament. And that's, that's absolutely huge. So fantastic for uh, Franz. And, you know, a, a very good for the PFL as well um, going into Dublin they needed a few Irish people on the card and look I'm sure they would have loved to have three but they have two on it anyway and uh, we will go into that uh, December card with uh, a bit of joy a bit of joy so that's um, that's yeah, great and there's no reason why they can't uh, you know match somebody like Dylan Chuke up on this card uh, provided like you know obviously uh, he gets cleared and all that I'm sure he'd be he'd be delighted to, to be on the Dublin card for PFL. And, yeah. You know, they, they have to fill that card. Well, who knows how many fights they're going to do. They're probably not going to do 20, 21 like Bellator, but, you know, some ticket sellers like Dylan Chuke, I'm sure. Uh, I, I've got a fight names. for you. How about Go Dylan Chuke versus Miles Price? 
Ooh, that, that's a that's a good one. Yeah, Miles Price. Where's Miles Price these days? He's, well, he was in PFL. Remember, he fought Anthony Pettis yeah, and he fought Jeremy Stevens. He kind of he's always a man who kind of disappears, comes back, disappears. A bit of a a, a mystical uh, <laughs> creature. <laughs> a mystical creature. I I like a bit of Miles. So I like Spl- what Splinter, wasn't it? Splinter was in the game. Yeah, let's let's make that happen. Let's make it happen. Um, right. The obviously that card is kind of still ongoing as we're uh, as we're recording this, and we let you know the maybe the, the results towards the end here if there if it's still going. But I think uh, I think the lads are doing a bit of a breakdown this week as well, and might talk about a few of them cards. So from a few of them fights, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, also, myself and Ian, I believe, are doing the chasing back. It hasn't been recorded yet, but we'll have the chasing back this week as well. Uh, one had a card at the weekend, Graham, a very interesting one. Stamp Fertex um, beat Sohia Ham to win the title over there. I don't know if you saw it or not, but um, Angela Lee retired from MMA and relinquished her belt, obviously, after the very sad news that her sister died at the turn of the year. And, you know, Angela came out and talked a lot about her mental health and she's starting a foundation. And I think, look, I think she's kind of just stepping away from the sport for, for a while. And, you know, hopefully it's the type of thing that in maybe six months or in a year, maybe she can get back to training, maybe she could get back to fighting in a while. But I think it's it's good to kind of just get the spotlight off herself and her family for the next while. And, um, you know, she relinquished the belt and the belt was obviously fought for here. It was a, such a sad scene that they had, like they brought her out and she literally relinquished the belt in the cage uh, and everything. And, you know, one championship did it, did it well, to be honest. And, um, you know, stamp afterwards, she won and she said, uh, you know, that basically Angela Lee was her idol and it was very emotional scene and all after that, but a great, um, a great performance from stamp, uh, as well, she was kind of slow to start, I suppose, as was Soe Ham. Um, but she, she, you know, she kept going at it um, and got to finish there in the uh, in the third round. Dropped her with a a body shot and and finished her after that. So very very good win there for. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't know what it dropped her. I saw I saw the finish. I didn't know what it dropped her, but yeah, it was a vicious, uh, you know, body shot. You, you don't really see that too, that too much. Uh, you know, somebody drop like that from a body shot and just be completely finished. Yeah, and she's like Stamp has come from uh, Muay Thai and kickboxing and came over and it's taken her time to become a very good MMA fighter, but she really is now. You know, Soe Ham was in the UFC and did well in the UFC. Yeah. Um, and to beat her in the fashion she did yeah. is. It's hard to get finishes like that, you know, at lower weights and in women's yeah. divisions. You know, you don't really see, you know, like that's a fight that beforehand could, I thought could have went either way. I thought it was, you know, probably going to be a close decision. So that, that's a huge victory. Yeah, and I picked Ham to win, actually. And, even though I really like Stamp, I think she's great, but she has gone to another level now. And, you know, she's a big star as well. You know, she does the, the Stamp dance when she comes out and, you know, the, the fans love her. She's a great look and everything like that. So, you know, I suppose what Angela Lee did for the next few years, it literally feels like it's a passing of the torch to Stamp now and she'll go on to the next level. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it because there's some fun fights for her there. One of them might actually be uh, Jing Nang Zhang who had... Uh, uh, a mixed rules fight against Wonder Girl here. It was really weird. It wasn't great. It was like it was boxing with four ounce gloves, but you could throw like back fists and stuff as well. And she ended up winning. She got oh, finished there in the end. I, wasn't great. I don't like that mess oh. and stuff. Like yeah. some of them are good. Like the 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 Demetrius Johnson and and uh, and Rod Tang one was class. Yeah. Well, sometimes when they do like oh, okay, some like Muay Thai guy can he survive on the feet against the the best Muay Thai guy or whatever? But yeah. when it's just uh, just randomly, it's just like let's do boxing this round and yeah. then you know ugh, just what's great, going man. on. No, that wasn't great. Uh, what was good though was the John Lineker Stephen O'Man fight. Um, Lineker ended up winning it, got the unanimous decision, and it was a very, very close, closely contested fight. The, the second round was really weird. There was it was a messy round. There was a few failed takedowns, and there was a clash of heads, and there was an eye poke and all of that. But um, Lineker fought like the old Lineker at the start of the fight. He was pressuring him, wasn't landing much, but throwing those big hooks and everything like that. Uh, Lowman did get a takedown and into the half guard and stuff like that. But uh, Lineker kept fighting and kept, kept fighting and kept fighting. Uh, in the third round in nice right hand from, from John Lineker was one of the biggest things at the start and he was able to stop the takedown and I, I, I thought it was very close honestly I thought Lohman probably just about deserved it but it scored as a whole and all that so um, a good win for John Lineker who's probably going to fight again for the title uh, which is, is going to be interesting considering how the last two of those matchups went Um Again, kind of all the old dogs for the for the long road or the hard road. We're winning here. Edward Fialong got a great win after looking 
I'll tell you, he looked old and a bit slow in the first round against Amir Khan, but Amir Khan just coasted a little bit, got left hook into oblivion and finished in the third round. Mauro Torelli finished Paul Elliott. I talked about it earlier. Uh, he, look, I think he was going to win the fight anyway. He caught him up and after taking him down, and Elliott uh, had a very bad arm injury uh, in that one. And uh, yeah, um, Morris Abedi as well won against um, Blake Cooper to start off that card. Grant, let's look ahead to next week and the, the there's a UFC card on um, Dawson against Green. Joe Pfeiffer is on the card against Alessandro, which should be a banger. I, I like Morona and Buckley as well. So it's not a bad card. Drew Dober and Ricky Glenn is a good fight as well. But I think the Bellator 300 card is is a way, way better card than it all together. But we, we, have some, uh, we have some very good entertainment next week. First of all, before we get to the Bellator one, anything stand out to you in, in that UFC card? Which is the fight that you're most looking forward to, I suppose, in that one? Uh, yeah, it's not exactly the best card. Uh, this like after a break, you, I always, I always think they should come back. You know that break. Uh, what was it? The first time in eighteen or nineteen weeks or something that there wasn't a UFC, and to come back with a bit of you know maybe maybe it'll end up being a, a good card, and there's some close fights, and you know it's just it's hard to get too excited for this one you know the Alex Morono Buckley is probably the pick of them because it's a hard one to pick and it should be an exciting fight but you know that shouldn't be the, the fight you're looking forward to the most on a UFC card I don't think yeah like I didn't see the UFC two weeks ago there was no or last week there was no UFC this week and honestly I didn't really miss it you know when you see a bit of cage wires, a bit of one a bit of Bellator like this PFL card I was looking to forward yeah. to a lot more than I, yeah. I will be this, this UFC card yeah me too and this Bellator card I'm way more looking forward to as well and that's really that's one of the reasons why I hope Bellator stays around like the UFC it's coming more boring and boring all the time for me anyway I don't know if people maybe some people don't agree maybe some people are like ah sure PFL and Bellator they're the, the second you know the, the, they're, they're not the real thing but like I don't think the UFC is the real thing anymore. <laughs> to be honest, like, there's no argument that the UFC have all the best fighters in the world anymore. Like, when you fucking, you know, Philip Linz against fucking Ian Kutilaba and, like, just some weirdos in the middle of the car. Like, like wow. Just weirdos. <laughs> what's going on there? Like, what's going on? Anyway, let's talk about Bellator 300. Um, four title fights. The lightweight title, which is the semifinal of the... Uh, tournament as well. We have Chris Cyborg and Katzengano. We have the heavyweight title and we have the uh, women's flyweight title. Which which one of the title fights you most looking forward to, Graham? Uh, it's probably the Brent Prima. It's probably the main event, but, you know, I always enjoy a Cyborg fight and Katzengano, obviously, you know, been around a long time and is, is well-rounded and things like that. It won't be, you know, won't be a walkover maybe, you know, with Cyborg maybe, but, you know, Linton Massell at the same time has... He's kind of made a resurgence. He's looked really good recently. Ryan Bader, you know, obviously he's been he's been reigning at the top of Bellator for a long time now. But you know, Vassell, this is a big fight for him. This is kind of his his chance. If he doesn't win it here, you know, this is this is huge for Linda Vassell. So I'm interested to see how, how he looks here. You know, I it's hard to it's hard to pick hard to pick him in this one, but he does have methods of victory. And you know, Liz Carmouche is kind of the same. She had a bit of a uh, resurgence as well herself. So. Yeah, I'd say it's probably the Nurmagomedov of Primus fight, but I'm interested in all of the title fights. Yeah, I am too. I think, like, all of them have pretty clear favourites, but all the underdogs, I think, have a chance as well at the same time. Like, the Alimina one, I think Alimina against Juliana Velasquez was kind of like, you know, MMA has passed her by a little bit, but now she's fighting against someone who's doing MMA, you know, 15 years ago, and... You know, her game is still working well, but it's not exactly as she has the most high-tech game in the world. So I actually think that brings Alimele maybe back into it, and I think that could be an even enough fight. The Bader-Vassell one, like, they fought before and Bader won, but Vassell has had a real career resurgence lately, as you mentioned, and he's a dangerous guy. He knocked out um, the former heavyweight champion last time out in a shock result. You know, Bader has looked... Bader's looked very old at light heavyweight, but when he's gone up to heavyweight, he's looked good. But you know how long can that last? If you're looking old at light heavyweight, I don't, I don't know how long it can last for you at heavyweight. If I'm being honest, so I think Vassell is is a live dog there, but I do favor Bader heavily. Um, you know, as I said, it's the same for all of these. Zinga- do you know what Zingano is three years older than Chris Cyborg and that a bit mad you, you'd, you'd never you, I don't know I just yeah, it feels like Cyborg's been around forever as yeah. well uh, Zingano as well but yeah sometimes um, you know uh, 
you know the, the TJ Dillashaw is oh. older than Jose Aldo one of them yes but sometimes you know you're you can be a bit older older through how long you've been in fights you know Cyborg yeah. goes in there and a lot of her fights over the years especially early on were quick KOs Katsangano's been in a lot of wars a lot of long fights and she's had a lot of kind of troubles all throughout the years in her, in her personal life and things like that 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 didn't maybe help her capitalize on on her ability like she was a pretty formidable undefeated prospect at one stage and it never really fulfilled her potential so this is you know this is kind of last chance saloon for her as well to to go in there and kind of fulfill what may, many people thought she could when she when she kind of burst onto the scene and you know cyborg's a very difficult matchup she hits very hard she's She's not just a striker anymore like she maybe used to be. She's she's very well-rounded, you know. But we've seen her beaten before, you know, uh, only only really by, by very top-level guys or top-level girls. But uh, it's, it's hard to pick Katsugano here again. But if she could drag it long and, you know, tire Cyborg out, frustrate her, get a couple of takedowns, you never know. But, yeah, it's probably likely that Chris Cyborg lands enough damage early to kind of put the fight into her favour. Yeah, it's funny you say what you said there about like the the wearing on the clock because I was I recorded my Sherdog preview the other day, and I I actually am not sure which side I would fall on in terms of who has the advantage there because, like, Cat has been around for a long time and she's older, but she, you know, she barely has fought one fight a year over the last ten years. I think what did I say in the preview? She's something like. 13 fights in 14 years or something like that or, or not, you know 10 fights in 10, 10 years so she's like plenty of time to recover plenty of, and I know there's been injuries in the middle of that as well but it's not like you know if we're talking about chins or something like that I, I think you know as you said Cyborg hasn't taken much damage because she's basically been on top in all of them but I think Kat has probably taken enough time off that the damage on her probably isn't as um, great as the damage on most people who are as much of a veteran as she is. Now, that's pure spe- speculation, I suppose we'll see. And may- will it even have, a, a um, you know, an effect in this fight? Maybe not. But I, I just wonder, like, in, in the f- last fight against uh, Leah, Cass was... Um, you know, she was wrestling pretty well. She looked good in the scrambles. I, I just think, she look, she'll need to do that against Cyborg. But I think she's going to have to strike her way in a little bit. I don't think she can be afraid of Cyborg. I think she has to grab a big moment early. Because if she doesn't, it, it could, remember when she fought Ronda and she, you know, she went mad and Ronda caught her and boom, it was over in 12 seconds or whatever it was. She just doesn't need that to happen again. I think she needs to go for her early in a smarter sort of way, and whether that's a takedown or whether that's working her way inside. But I, uh, I really think she has to be confident here. And having said that, Cyborg will probably still win. But the thing about Cyborg, even if she can just push Cyborg up against the cage and kind of take a little bit of pop out of her early punches, that would be a huge kind of. Start foundation to build on. It's seventeen months as well since Cyborg had an MMA fight. I know she had a couple of boxing matches in the middle of that, but it's not the same, you know. That ring rust as well, being out that long at thirty-eight years of age, you know, that's that's a big thing. I think I really do think that is a thing. So I I wouldn't rule Katzengano out here, but I I would favor Cyborg massively. And I, I'd say the same about the main event. Look, premises. Uh, a nasty jiu-jitsu guy he falls on things he beats people he's not supposed to beat but I just think Usman or Magomedov is too good he's too good of a striker too good of a wrestler I think he's just gonna jab the face off him and jab the face off him and after maybe the third round Primus is probably just gonna fall over from loss of blood or something like that that's the type of fight I see this being but at the same time if there is a takedown and Primus fucking lands a go-go platter or something like that would you be massively shocked like probably not Primus is that sort of lad and again a guy who hasn't fought that much and doesn't have that much wear and tear but has some good um good experience so yeah some interesting fights there um and the last fight i want to talk about leah mccord versus sarah mcmahon graham tough fight for leah going in there against sarah mcmahon you know leah's advantage over most people is usually she's bigger and stronger and she is good uh judo and look she's been adding in the striking recently as well it's been improving in every fight but it's one of those ones where you think maybe it's three, four, five fights down the line where we'll see the real improvements and we see the prime Leah maybe. Um, Sarah McMahon is going to make a tough on her. You know, Sarah can, can strike, but Sarah obviously uh, a silver medalist in the Olympics for wrestling. It's going to be very hard for Leah to dominate her in a, in a grappling point of view. I'm telling you, if Leah wins this matchup, it's a massive, massive win yeah. for her, but it's a tough one, isn't it? 
I think, yeah, I think it is. It's obviously a tough matchup. Sarah McMahon's a difficult matchup. Like somebody who's a relentless wrestler for for anybody is is a difficult matchup. But I think Sarah McMahon, if you can frustrate her early and kind of make her a little bit desperate, um, you know, uh, she's going to have to show that that work on the feet. That uh, Leah's going to have to show that work on the feet that she's that she's kind of been developing and that she's shown us a little bit in, in recent fights. But I think if if early she can keep the distance and you know um, maybe even land the odd kind of low low kick or even calf kick you know not being lazy and giving the leg but like sharply like one or two and uh just just kind of keep on the outside keep the jab in her face frustrate her make her make it you know uh desperate uh, well not more not desperate but like uh, more strained takedown attempts and kind of zap her kind of uh focus and energy that way but yeah, if if McMahon does get a takedown, she's happy to kind of stay on top and land the odd shot and kind of ride around it that way. And as you said, when a silver medalist, uh, wrestling silver medalist, uh, is trying to do that to you and wants to just stay on top and not really take too many chances, not really posture up and create the space to land shots, it's very hard to get up, get up from there. So, I think the, the early stages is this this fight are vitally important for Leah. She's got to take Sarah McMahon out of her comfort zone and not let her you know get in on the hips and get a takedown early yeah I, I would tend to agree with that and you know we've seen signs of that improved striking I think we're going to need to see 15 minutes of it as you alluded to there and this one for her to win but if we do see it you know she has she has that chance of doing it but it's a, it's a tough one but you know tough fights make for big uh, possibilities and uh, definitely a big possibility here because I think if she wins this she could very well get the title shot against uh, against Chris Cyborg if she wins as yeah, well and Leah's a very difficult fighter to look good against as well you know she, she can frustrate we've seen her frustrate opponents before and kind of take them out of their game and you know uh, I think she, that's going to be vital uh, for her to get a win here Sarah McMahon obviously you know uh, she's going to be coming in um you know, looking to do what she always does, and the, you kind of you know the game plan coming in. With Leah, she has a few more options to kind of maybe surprise Sarah. So maybe that would be something to to try and use to her advantage early. Indeed. All right, Graham, we leave it there. A little bit of a shorter podcast this week, but we've had two uh, very long ones over the last couple of weeks. So um, yeah, we we leave it there. It's uh, it's good to have a weekend with no UFC, I suppose, and good to have maybe an early night and a free Sunday, and uh, we'll be uh, back to it next week and. Uh, same wonderful, wacky, weird world of mixed martial arts as we always are. Graham, take us out with your quote for the week. Some men here, they know the full extent of your distress. They kneel and pray and they say, long may it last. Beautiful. We'll see you next Tuesday. Or Sunday or whenever we are. Good luck. <laughs>